thankful for this podcast. Because we love you. The opportunity to get together. It's also given me a creative outlet. For all of Joanna's help when we need it. You always need it. I am thankful for Joanna. Or Don't make me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. And if you're not thankful for Darth Vader, get out. Everybody's going to get stuffed on turkey. I don't know why people always eat turkey. Man, I like a nice ham. Cinematography. Cinematography? Does it taste good? Your Christmas music. Look at the bells. Look at the bells. Holy crap. Here comes Jesus. And he doesn't look too happy. That went to a weird place. I think he's drunk. It kind of smells like me. It's pretty fishy. I think he's drunk. Can we have Evangeline and Josephine on more often? Yeah. I think it's kind of weird. I cried like a baby. Worst set of lightning rounds ever. It just doesn't work. It's just a dark dystopia. It kills the mood. It was crazy. Don't even know what the content's going to be sometimes. The most professional podcast on the internet. It should be about hope. Keep doing whatever makes you a discerning geek. The Discerning Geeks Portal Holiday Season. Welcome back, discerning listeners, for another Christmas episode of the Discerning Mm. Geeks Portal. Not really. To be debated. (laughs) (laughs) My handle for this show is Children WTF is this. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so this was picked as a Christmas episode on our Christmas Wheel of Insanity. About one minute and it might be Christmas. And we'll have to kind of explore and see if that follows through or not. And it will discuss Children of Men, which we'll go ahead and let that be known. But Todd, why don't you give them the rundown on our on our movie today? Okay, yes, according to some articles out there in the internet, this is supposedly a Christmas movie, and that's how it got on the wheel and randomly picked it. And it is, <laughs> spoiler, it is a good movie, but is it Christmassy? We'll, we'll figure yeah. that out. So the movie is Children of Men. After 18 years of global infertility, social and economic collapse, and the recent death of the world's youngest human. Or I like, I call it, like to call it the Biden administration. <laughs> sorry, I couldn't help it. I couldn't help it. I know it's not fair. I'm sorry. I do apologize. I apologize. A militant immigrants' rights activist enlists the help of her ex-husband, Theo, in an effort to get the first pregnant woman in 18 years to the human project ship off the coast of England. Or as like, or as like I like to call it, the Trump administration. The political opinions of one co-host do not necessarily reflect the opinions of other co-hosts, or me. I'm sorry, I know, I know. Along the way, Theo and the pregnant woman named Key lose allies, face betrayal, break into prison, and traverse a war zone, all to get the world's miracle mother and baby to safety. Merry Christmas, everyone! Children of Men... Oh, no, go ahead. Children of Men is starring Clive Owen as Theo Ferran, the reluctant protector, Julianne Moore as Julian Taylor, the activist. Clara Hope Ashete as Key, the Miracle Mother. Michael Caine, or more appropriately, Michael Caine as Jasper Michael Palmer. Kine. Michael Caine as, as Jasper Palmer, Theo's stoner friend. Chiwetel Ejiofor as Luke, the ambitious revolutionary. And Charlie Hunnam, Pam Ferris, Peter Mullen, and Danny Houston in other supporting roles. It has, must have needed work because he once commented that the only way he takes a job in a film is that he reads the first page and the last page, and if his character's on it, then he does the f- picture, and that doesn't happen in this film. Yeah, yeah. Mm. 
this movie has several release dates. It came out on September 3rd, 2006 uh, in Venice, September 22nd in the UK, November 18th in Japan, and yes, December 25th, 2006, so Christmas Day in the US, but that by itself does not make it a Christmas movie. No. It has a rating of R, um, and, and for lots of good reasons. Uh, it was written by Alfonso Cuaron, Timothy J. Sexton, David Arada, Mark Fergus, and Hawk Ostby. And it Hawk was directed. Ostby? Yeah, Hawk Ostby. Oh, Hawk. Okay, I'm sorry. And it was directed by Alfonso Cuaron. Uh, where to find it? It's on Tubi with ads right now. Or at least it was a week or two ago when I watched it. That's when I watched it. Okay, so we agreed kind of to start this episode that this would be a little bit different. And we're going to start with our discussion or our justification for is this a Christmas movie or not? Um, Does anyone want to start on their opinion of is this a Christmas movie or not? Let's just start with that one. Dave, you said no. 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 Todd? No, and do you want me to go in detail or? No, not yet, not yet. Uh, How about Andrew? Andrew, do you think this is a Christmas movie? Well, you know, it's not a movie set in Christmas time, but it does have Christmas tropes. So it depends on what you look for in a Christmas movie. Okay, interesting. So he's on the borderline. Um, I'm going to say it's a Christmas movie, and I'll make my case in a minute. Yeah. so, Todd, it seems, seems like you have something planned for us. What's, what's your justification for this not being a Christmas movie? Okay, so I actually tried to come up with, with categories on what I think should be in a Christmas movie. But first, let me do a few general statements. The movie Black Panther has a couple scenes of kids playing basketball. but That doesn't make it a sports movie. Back to the Future is funny, and it's about getting George and Lorraine together, but that doesn't make it a romantic comedy. And even if it does, it's a romantic comedy second at best. It's still a sci-fi adventure first. Uh, Chronicles of Narnia, Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe involves a parallel between the lion Aslan and Jesus. They both come back to life. But does that make that movie an Easter movie? No. Uh, A Christmas Carol has ghosts in it, and at least two of them are scary. Does that make it a horror movie? No. Uh, Iron Man 3 takes place at Christmas. Is that a Christmas movie? Barely, but technically, yes. Uh, and and I'll, I'll get to that in a minute. So I feel that there are a few elements that need to be there to define something as a Christmas movie. One is the setting or time period. Does it actually take place at Christmas or um, or or in some way, shape or form embody a, a setting for Christmas? Uh, two, does it involve some kind of mythology or lore about Christmas, either about uh, Christ or Santa Claus or uh, or the holiday in general, d- just something about Christmas? Uh, does it have a, the right tone or mood or festivity? Is it uplifting? Because ultimately, yes, Christmas can sometimes be stressful and it can be, even be depressing for certain people because of one reason or another. But for the most part, it's still supposed to be uplifting. So uh, does it achieve that? Uh, four, is there some kind of inspirational quality or is there a life lesson? Is there something that you can take with you throughout the year so that it's not just about um, uplifting for the moment, but is it something that you can carry with you year round? Uh, five, is there anything about the movie that 
that invokes either Christmas feelings or Christmas memories or in some way or traditions or in some way, shape or form is better to watch at Christmas for a specific reason. Number six, does it have any visuals of Christmas? Like, you know, Christmas is probably the most decorated holiday. It's the, it, we have trees, garland, lights, candles. You know, we just throw up all kinds of decorations. Does it have any kind of visuals uh, related to Christmas? And seven, is there any music related to Christmas? So using these seven factors, I, I looked at uh, several movies and tried to 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 enumerate them. And I don't remember exactly how I came at these numbers. So, uh, you know, even if I'm off by one or one or two, I'm close. But last year we reviewed Muppet Christmas Carol and Gremlins. I gave Muppet Christmas Carol a seven out of seven. Gremlins a three out of seven. So I think that's more a movie that kind of sort of takes place at Christmas, but I don't know if you can totally call it a Christmas movie or if you can, it's close. You could maybe make the argument. This year we've already reviewed The Man Who Invented Christmas, Klaus, and then right before we recorded this, we recorded the review for Home Alone, so that'll come out next. I gave The Man Who Invented Christmas a 5, Klaus a 6 out of 7, and Home Alone a, a 7 out of 7. And then some things that were on the Christmas Wheel of Insanity were Die Hard and Iron Man 3. I gave Die Hard a 4 out of 7 and Iron Man 3 a 3 out of 7, so that's another one that's kind of iffy. One that I didn't bother putting on there because there's actually a little bit of adult stuff in it, but it's still one of my favorite Christmas movies is Love Actually. That's another seven out of seven. Children of Men, however, I only gave a one out of seven because, uh, Andrew, you're right. It does have a little bit of the mythology and lore of Christmas because you can kind of draw some similarities between stuff that happens in the movie and nativity type stuff. There are definitely some things that are inspired by that. So I can barely give it a one out of seven, but to me, that's not enough. Okay. Okay. Anybody else want to throw in as to why they think it is or is not a, a Christmas movie? The trope obviously comes in when spoilers, um, the infertility is disrupted by, one of the main characters being pregnant and suddenly you go from a dystopian, you know, almost apocalypse, very gray, green, dim colored, just sad and depressed town and world to a place that could have hope. And that's kind of the Christmas story. You know, um, Jesus came when people didn't have hope. So there's that overlying theme there hope so technically you could say it's a christmas movie and there are obvious parallels more parallels to the christmas story so i want to piggyback on you and i want to mention three words and these are three words that you see a lot at christmas time a lot of decorations you see around everything that that is you know you know, with Christmas, you see these words a lot. A lot of people, I think my, my mom actually has them under one of her Christmas trees. She has little boxes with these three words. And they are love, faith, and hope. Love, faith, and hope. Sorry, as soon as you said that, the first thing that popped in my head was those commercials about the guy that's trying to keep parents from becoming their parents. Oh, yeah. oh yeah, 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 yeah. The Geico commercials or whatever. Yeah. I got you. To me, Christmas encompasses love, faith, and hope, right? This is the Christmas story. 
Christmas story is one of love, faith, and hope. And so when I use that as the scale for does this meet the criteria for a Christmas movie, um, you know, it is a loose, yep. very loose, yep. you know, yeah. Especially, yeah. very loose yep. um, retelling of the Christmas story, right? Nope. A miracle baby comes to a world without any hope. Yeah, but no, it's to, I'm sorry, go ahead. I'll show yeah, to bring hope to the world. And, you know, this is accomplished kind of through some love, right? We get the love of the main character with his ex-wife. Um, and we get a man who is helping take care of this mother, this pregnant person who is not his husband, you know, she's not, or not, this is not her, his wife. Um, and so we have the, the, the retelling of the Christmas story and they have to have faith that when they get to this final destination, there is going to be this ship that's there. They have to have faith that these things are going to work out. And it's interesting because I, you know, with my church, I've been working with our Awana group and things, and and I've I've very much the last couple of weeks as we've been talking about the Christmas season, been I've been trying to help these kids change their image of the Christmas story. Um, we like to think of the Christmas story as a Hallmark card, right? It's a cute little barn, and everything's all nice. And look, she has a baby, and it's sitting in the manger, and and look at how wonderful this is. And the reality is they were very much like refugees with all their possessions on their back, traveling in a distant land with no place to land. And they're having a baby just like this lady had her baby on the floor of some godforsaken place that they're just hoping the rats don't get to it. And that is the actual Christmas story. It's not a pretty barn. It's a place with cow feces and bugs and stink and noise that the Christ child was born into. And when you compare the story that way, there is very much some comparison to be had here. This is a, a, a story that's a, a child who is coming to a very much forsaken world to bring that story of hope which is the which is the Christmas story. It doesn't have the pretty songs, but the reality is, you know, as much as we want to sing about it and, you know, and say that it was this beautiful, wonderful thing, it was a stinky, dirty, bad place that this child was born. And so when I make that comparison, this is the Christmas story. You know, is it happy-go-lucky? Does it have talking snowmen and, and jolly holly ho-ho-hos? But it has this Christmas story. And so I'm going to have to be supportive and stick by the argument that, you know, this is a, this is a Christmas tale. Now I'll let you guys tear that, that argument apart and, and go ahead and, and hit me with your best shot. Snacks knuckles. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I will agree with you that there are definite implications and definite correlations between the Christmas story and this story. That that if you do look at it through the prism of of the Christ child being born, 
Um, yes, there's definite similarities. And, and the only time at any point in this film that I believe that there actually was any kind of Christmas thing to it was when the miracle was acknowledged, which was she had a child. 18 years after everybody else could not have any, and uh, it's assumed that every other kid died except for, you know, that one that, you know, got stabbed at the beginning. Uh, and then, of course, I think if you listen, the radio talks about, like, now the youngest child in the world is this 19-year-old, such and such, Carol, something or other. And that is a beautiful moment when the miracle happens and the baby's crying and people are like, they're in the middle of a, of a war zone and it just stops. You know, the soldiers stop shooting, the, the, the rebels stop shooting, whatever. Of course, naturally, like everything in the world, it gets screwed up because of men who then, you know, luckily let them get some mostly out of the line of fire before they started their crap again. The trouble I have with this is it's not the fact that the child doesn't bring hope. The trouble is the world it brings the hope to. Um, if, if we're going to go with the whole Christ argument, Christ came into a world without hope, but that, that world was not dead. This world is dead. This woman has one baby 18 years after, after 7 billion people can't. Therefore, you're talking about, at best, the hope at the end of the apocalypse because 7 billion people are going to die. Their bloodlines are ended, all of them, because unless somehow, which we hope maybe in the future, if somebody ever did a sequel, they find out why this woman could have a child. The only person that can have a child is this one woman. And so you're all the way back to the beginning again. In which, yes, you you might have hope and be able to reestablish peace in the fact that there is this woman that has had this child. But when you compare that, I think, in the world where you realize that it's already blowed up, it's already gone to heck. Uh, Britain was supposedly the last place that was still holding itself together, and they were doing it through basically old Nazi fascist means in order to do that. Um, and now it's tearing itself apart because of it. It's one of those where you kind of get why they had to get out of Dodge and find probably this small community to where this child could be raised and hopefully maybe they could figure out how to save a few other people. But it's it's still it's still not a good it's not a Christmas movie because you have to stretch so far. Um, you have to stretch so far to, to see that, first of all. To see what you're talking about, you have to stretch so far to get it into that narrative to make it into a Christmas film that you also have to then, therefore, stretch so far once you've thought about that to think about the other end of the secular part of it in which you realize that all it is is, is at best a world reboot and not a saving of the people, but a hopeful next generation, which I could I, I will agree with you does bring hope and it is very noble that the man realizes this miracle and protects the miracle even with his life spoiler um, so but there's it, another it, part of the Christmas story that you overlook when you kind of look at the world as this world being kind of more grim than than the world that the Christ child came into and that is the fact that these people were oppressed 
and I'm going to say that, and I'm talking the biblical Christ, right? Because remember, they had to flee because they actually sent troops to kill every single child under two years old born in this province. Yeah, but after. The reason they were at Bethlehem the, was because it was Roman tax season, and they had to travel back to the but town. But I'm just saying, that tells you this is not – this is the same type – I mean, yes, it's it's future, so they got machine guns versus spears, things like that. But again, we look at this the, the Christmas story as this, oh, it wasn't that bad. It was, you know – no, this was a child coming into a world that is broken, that is completely broken and horrible and had to survive in order to grow up to be the savior. And That's my point. There is no survival. We don't know because we don't know what happens after this because this is just the beginning, right? This right. is like – I mean it's kind of like if you – if the whole you know Bible ended after he was born to a virgin, you're like, well, okay, what happens next? You know, we don't know what happens next. Um, and so you can't really extrapolate that, but that's, this is the part of that story. This is just that snippet that they're, that they're showing. Now I will admit, uh, you know, part of me kind of cringes because this is a very secular look at that story. And there's, there's very much, secular stuff in it i mean and you can even tell there's a scene in it where um she kind of jokes and it's like oh you know were you born a virgin was a, you know as a, as a virgin uh, are you and she's like you know oh that would be something and kind of laughs it off and she's like no there's hundreds of men you know so we know that this isn't a virgin birth and we know that this is not that story exactly that it is a a secular kind of earthly look and retelling of it but it is that story. And and it's, you know, we want to not necessarily, we always want to gloss over how bad a world this is that this child, that the Christ child was born into. But I mean, you've got to think any world where somebody can just decree and then go around and kill every baby in the province. Okay. That's, that's worse than Nazi Germany. That's worse. That's not, oh, this is better. No, that's worse. And so we have to compare apples to apples and kind of know that this was a bad place that, you know, even Christ was born. And that's why we have this this kind of modern retelling the way that it is. Yeah, I understand that. But, but in Christ's world, if another woman and another man decided to have a family and a child, they could. In this one, no. We That's don't know the what difference. happened after this. We don't know That's the reason I said it's a death sentence to 7 billion people. Right. Because if you understand the way the movie is, regardless of whether she becomes the miracle cure or whatever, and I understand the whole bringing of hope, and we're obviously taking this way too far into the whole Christ narrative. Um, but it, it it's not a Christmas movie because the only hope that it brings is to anybody that might possibly, hopefully, end up around her or the cure, if there happens to be one, or just simply the child itself. Um, well, doesn't it bring hope for like humanity as a whole? Because hope has yeah. been completely annihilated. There's no point. There's no next yeah, generation. But, nobody, but yeah, just but the fact that she's having another kid means that humanity could go on for just you know 18 more years, if not a cure at all. You know, there's hope now. Yeah, it's but see, there's a, there's a, there's an important point here. 
when they're doing it, the man protecting the miracle says, you need to tell people about this. He makes the point to say, you need to make this public, and that will protect you. Because as soon as you make it public that she's pregnant and about to have a child, then everything's going to change. Because then everybody will know there is this miracle that's about to happen. And, you know, yeah, there were arguments about, like, the government was going to take over it, blah, 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 and all that kind of stuff. I don't know. Maybe. Who knows? But that's not what they did. They kept it quiet. And so nobody knows. And the only people that are going to talk about it are going to be, like, the people that just came out of a war zone. They're going to be like, I saw this baby. And everybody's just going to be like, you're nuts. Get out of here. Well, I want to have time to actually talk a little bit more about the movie itself and some of the positives and negatives. We won't do like a major full review, just kind of in interest of time. We've already spent about half our time just kind of justifying whether it's a Christmas movie or not. Did anybody have any other, cause I, I don't know that we're going to solve this. Right. Um, and I would encourage our listeners, Hey, we would love to know your opinion. Do you fall down on or fall on the line that this is a Christmas movie? Or do you fall in the line that, no, there's no way, this is just not Christmassy enough for me? And you can just let us know. We'd love to get your emails, discerninggeeks at gmail.com. Or you can interact on our Facebook page. Once this episode goes live, maybe we'll do a poll on our Facebook page. And you guys can weigh in whether you think this is a Christmas movie or not in our poll. And you can join us on our Facebook page, the Discerning Geeks Portal or on Twitter at Discerning Geeks. Um, what, does anybody else have anything that they want to throw in as to why or why not this isn't a Christmas, why this Christmas movie not a Christmas movie before we kind of break down and talk a little bit more about the movie? Yes, because I have a counter argument to the stuff you were saying. Okay, go for it. Uh, so you said that this is a Christmas story because it has the elements of faith, love, and hope. Now, the love part could be a little bit arguable because I don't know if I really saw any love there. Um, there was a tiny bit of hope. And, and yes, I've even got somewhere in my notes that yes, that's part of the theme of this movie is hope. But I think my argument would also be it was only a shred of hope. And I'll get to that in a second. Uh, and there was some faith, but you even pointed out that it wasn't religious faith, which it doesn't have to be. But even, even if it's faith that, oh, wow, there, there could actually be a cure or something. It, yes. I, and I'm not arguing that those things aren't there, but I think you could have a movie or TV show or book or any kind of story that has elements of faith, love, and hope in it, and it not necessarily be a Christmas story. Uh, that's why I, I'm saying that there are other things that, to me, identify something as being specifically a Christmas story, and it can have those other three elements in it, or maybe just one or two in some combination, or even all three, but that doesn't by itself make it a Christmas story. There's got to be something else there. And this movie is definitely inspired by just a few elements of the Christmas story. But I think being inspired by it is just not quite enough to qualify it as a Christmas movie. And um, hang on, let me take a sip more. I think it does oh. mention that it takes place in the season because we hit at the beginning in the scroll that it's like November something November 18th or something when they start and then they're doing their journey through these November and Decembers, which is the Christmas season. But go ahead, finish out your thing. <laughs> well, now if it starts off in November, I don't think they get far enough for it to be December yet because this only happens over the course of something like two or three days. But um, in, in the hope part, I think the hope is not 100% complete. And, and I'll get to that in a second. 
one of my favorite quotes from Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country, is when uh, the character Valeris is talking about logic because she's a full Vulcan. And uh, Spock, who is a half Vulcan, says, logic, logic, logic. Logic is the beginning of wisdom, Valeris, not the end of it. And I've always loved that line because I feel like you can put almost anything into it, whether it's something political, religious, philosophical. You could put almost any two words into that and say something, 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 something is the beginning of something else, not the end of it. I think that the religious or not religious, but the Christmas overtones in this movie are kind of the beginning of a Christmas movie, but not the end of it. And the reason is you talk about hope. Yes, there is a shred of hope in this movie, but I don't feel like we we see the the fulfillment of that hope. Theo is able to get Key and the baby to the human project ship. I don't feel like the movie does a good enough job explaining to us what the human project is and whether they truly are the bad guys. Whoops, you mean good guys. What if they're just as much a crappy organization as everything else that we've seen in the movie? What if they do experiments on the baby? What if they dissect the baby? What if the baby dies of natural causes in two or three days? I don't feel like we see the completion of that hope. And I know that the movie hints slightly, if you interpret it this way, that yes, there's the hope because as we see the end title card, we hear the sounds of children. So maybe the movie is kind of sort of implying, oh, and everything is rosy from this point. Uh, To me, that's not enough. I think if the movie had put just a little bit more effort in saying, okay, 10 years later, like let's do a flash forward, 10 years later, they're like, 12 more kids or 100 more kids in the world, then obviously Key and her baby are not a fluke, that there was actually something to it. And they were able to figure out what was blocking people from having kids. And they were able to unblock that. And they were able to you know, cure whatever virus was stopping it and able to move on. We don't see that. And as I've argued before in other reviews, movies and TV shows are visual mediums and I need to see it. And I don't feel like this movie presented in a visual form, the fulfillment of that hope. And so to me, it just wasn't quite enough. And I'm sure your counter argument is going to be, well, but you got to have faith and faith is all about hope and things that we don't see. And I know, but I'm saying we could go back and forth on this all day, but to me, it just wasn't enough. Is there something there? Yes, it's the beginning of a Christmas movie. It's not the end of it. There wasn't enough there. No, I'm with you. I, I agree. I think we could go back and forth on this all day. So that's why I throw it out there to the uh, to our listeners. I'd love, love, love to hear you guys' um, feelings on this. Send us an email. We uh, interact on our Facebook page. We want to know what you think on this. Where do you fall? on Is this a Christmas movie or not? But I do want to take, if we can, just a few minutes, 15 minutes, just to kind of talk about this movie, because whether it's a Christmas movie or not, um, I feel like it's a good movie and we we want to take a little bit of time to talk about it. Um, so, you know, Christmas movie beside, aside, um, what did you guys think? Did you like this movie or not like this movie? Well, that's kind of what's so infuriating about the movie, because the movie itself is great. I mean, it's, it, it really is. I mean, I don't want to be like a downer Nancy that I don't agree with it, that it's a Christmas film. But as far as a movie goes, it's awesome. It's an excellent, excellent film. I mean, uh, I like Clive Owen to start with, you know. Uh, in fact, this may be one of the movies that I saw him in that 
made me start liking him, but there's been a lot of other stuff that's come out recently that I just, I just enjoy him as an actor. Um, uh, but the, the film itself though is, is done very well. It, it shows, uh, it shows, um, there's a lot of stuff in it that you kind of got to pay attention to. Um, definitely try to keep your ear open to the background news reports, the, the stuff that's playing on TVs while people are talking or in screen, because it fills you in, into how screwed up the world is. Like, uh, there's even a comment that you, that I'm not even sure is done directly, but it's just done in the background. And it may have been, it may be done from like a, a news reporter type thing. And they're like, America's already gone you know, things like this. And, and they, they do mention the fact about how like Britain is like the only nation that's been able to like keep itself together. Um, because everybody else has just tore themselves apart from, uh, evidently just the, the lack of being able to have children, uh, which I'm sure there's other things to it as well. Um, you know, people being blamed for it, men doing men things, you know, as per usual, uh, which is usually typical, you know, some you know, well, it's their vault, you know, or it's their vault, and you know, everything just snowballs from there. Um, I like the setting, even though I'm not quite sure if everything would have kind of gone as crappy as it kind of looks like it did. But then again, really, the crappy parts you see are kind of like in the in the spot where they're pushing refugees to like send them off. Uh, you do have the nice farmhouse. You do seem to have some nice areas. It doesn't look like the. It's not a wasteland. They were driving through a forest at one point. The acting seems to be very good. I enjoy it a lot. My one and only nitpick that I have for the whole thing is where in the heck did they get the other car? Because they end up in a car driving down a road that gets shot at. Like almost every window in the car is blowed out. They stop for a minute to allow their dead passenger that died in the attack to kind of i guess just lay underneath the trees and then they take pregnant lady to a safe house but if you pay attention when they pull into the safe house not one of those windows is broken and it's a different car because if you pay attention to the back it's not the same car as the car they drove in the first time so i'm like so what did they just have an extra car sitting in the woods or something what's going on so uh, i that's like my nitpick i'm not quite sure where they picked up the other car at okay Andrew, what about you? I kind of want to know your opinion. What did, what did you think of this one? Did you like it or not? Oh, I loved this movie. It was a did good like it? Con- okay. it was a it's a good concept. It had a good execution, had good storytelling, good char- compelling characters. Um you know, I I got into the whole I don't know any of their names, but the guy and the pregnant chick. Mm-hmm. Um this this movie, and I'm going to gush a little bit here, has some excellent long takes, if you haven't noticed. Mm-hmm. And it really goes the extra mile to immerse you in this world. Um, I know there was one long take at the beginning, that, and it was like the first scene, and it just completes you, get you, completely gets you in the mindset of what... The movie is, I mean, you get the gray tones and then he's walking and then the explosion and it's all one take. And it does the same thing in the car when it goes to the chase scene and uh, towards the end. Yeah, with, say, uh, they're fighting through the city and they're it's one take. They're following it on one camera. It was pretty uh, the, the cinematography was it, it, amazing in many ways. 
It's cinematography, not cinematography. There's no N in the middle. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm all with you on that one. Yeah, supposedly that last scene took, like, months of preparation. And every time they failed it, it took five hours to reset the scene. <laughs> so what about you, Todd? I think you had mentioned that this was kind of a, a, a I don't know if a favorite, but one that you really, really like, that you rate pretty high. Is, is, did you like this movie? Well, not super high, but yeah, I've always liked it. I've always uh, been impressed by it. And Andrew kind of mentioned some of the things I would count as good stuff. When I was watching it, I was thinking, okay, we're, we're examining it more as a Christmas movie. And I know it's kind of uh, violent and depressing. So I'm going to maybe every once in a while stop it during a boring part and move on and do something else and kind of uh, revisit a little bit at a time. But I ended up watching it from beginning to end in one sitting. So I have to admit that even though this is a very violent and unpleasant movie, it is somehow still compelling and not necessarily in a cheery. In fact, definitely in a non-cheery way. But it's still compelling. I, I was still able to sit down like every time I thought, OK, I think I'm about to get to a boring part. Oh, no, this is interesting. I don't remember this. Let me watch it a little while longer. And I just end up watching it. Uh, all the way through. Andrew already mentioned the one-shot camera work. That is actually one of my favorite visual techniques, and I love it when movies and TV shows do it. I think this movie might have been the first time I've ever seen it done. I'm not saying it was the first time. It's just the first time I've ever seen it done. There are at least four scenes. The opening scene, like he said, when you know the main character goes out of the coffee shop, turns around, you see the place he just came out of explode. There's the car ride at Canterbury, the escape from Sid and crossing through the, the parade of revolutionaries, and the escape from Bex Hill and trying to get Key and the baby back from, from Luke. And um, so there's all kinds of zigzagging, and they're going into and out of buildings and buildings they were just in getting blown up and stuff. And it's, yeah, it's all one shot. And I think one thing I like is that since then, there have been some movies that do that like from be beginning to end. And when a movie does it from beginning to end, it's a little bit distracting, like uh, the movie uh, Birdman. I know that won the Academy Award. I did not like that movie. I, I didn't think there was a single likable character in there. I, I thought th the story overall was annoying. And that was supposedly a movie that was one long camera take, but it did it from beginning to end. And because of that, you could see the scenes. Like there's one moment where a character goes up a, uh, a stairwell of a building and they get to a dark part and you can tell, that, oh, that's where they cut from one camera take to another. Um, this movie did it more smoothly because it did it in segments and it didn't do it all the time. So I kind of like that it is highlighted certain scenes to, to use that technique with. And then we've already talked about it a little bit, but the moment that all the refugees and soldiers are kind of stunned and amazed by seeing the image of a baby for the first time in 18 years and how everything just stops for a minute, that is the most powerful bone in the movie and the thing that probably earns this by some people the the right to call it a christmas movie and so i'll admit that that's a great moment of course then everything turns a crap right after that so yeah those would be my main things from the movie and and why i'm still impressed by it okay. Um, okay. and then i've got some bad stuff too but i don't think we're the bad stuff yet we'll, we'll we? hit those pretty quickly here in just a moment but yeah i'm gonna piggyback on that i think you know hey i thought the acting was good um you know there's there's some very powerful scenes um, I did like the cinematography, like we had mentioned. So, hey, I think you got it right that time. There's a lot of positive stuff in this movie that was that was really good. Uh, you know, typically 
we'll then jump in and do some nitpicks. We'll go pretty fast because we still want to try to keep this episode in our allotted time. So, Todd, start us off with one, and then we'll kind of go around and see if anybody else has any other nitpicks. Okay, yeah, I've got to say something for lightning round two. So my lightning round might be mostly nitpicks. The most obvious thing is it's just a depressing movie. Uh, and I know <laughs> that there's supposedly the, the faith and hope in it, blah, blah, blah. But it's still depressing because it's still an extremely post-apocalyptic world. And even if the birth of this baby leads to possibly the birth of other babies, and then everybody gets out of the depression and, and, and they turn things around, it's still going to take decades to turn the world around because supposedly Great Britain is the bright spot in the world and you see how crappy it is, which means that the rest of the world is, is 10 times worse. It's going to take a while to turn anything around. So it's still ultimately a depressing movie. And I've got eight bullet points of examples on how things are depressing, but for the sake of time, I'll skip those. It's just depressing. Yeah. Anybody else with some nitpicks? Oh, nitpicks? Yeah, I got it. You got one? Um, okay. There's the scene where the guy meets the pregnant chick, uh-huh. and then he doesn't really understand why he's there, and then she takes off her shirt. You couldn't have just lifted up your shirt a little bit. You it had to little, take it off all the way. Yeah it, was, yeah, it was a little unnecessary, but I thought it was effective. I thought it was very dramatic in the effect that it did. So I'll give it a pass. I don't know if it was necessary, but I think I'll give. So I'm, I'm with you, though. It did serve a purpose, I guess. I'll throw That's one it. out there. And this is going to sound like a major one. And so I'm going to have to curtail it a little bit in that I love science fiction for the reasons of you can take a, a concept And in this movie, the concept is nobody can have babies. And you can explore of what the effect of that concept would be on life. And in this, they do take it to a very depressing level. You know, all joy is pretty much gone. You don't have kids playing on playgrounds. You don't have schools. You know, people are depressed and have given up and they have are searching for anything to give them hope and, and that kind of thing. So... You know, one of the reasons I like science fiction is that you can explore concepts like this. And, and in some ways, you have to do it at extremes. That being said, I'm not a fan of the, oh, one day the whole world wakes up and nobody can have babies. To me, it's kind of a stupid concept. It would never happen that way. The The overall concept is, is kind of dumb. Um, Handmaid's Tale explores it a little bit better in that you would see a rapid decline in babies, but you would always have some, you know, even if there was a virus that attacked the, the entire population of the world at the exact same time that somehow made them infertile, you would always have some that were immune. You would have some that somehow avoided catching it. There would always be a small portion of the population that would still have kids. Um, there's no con. There's no reason that anybody could ever explain as to why everybody would wake up one day and nobody have babies anymore. Um, it's just kind of a, a dumb concept. Uh, that being said, I, ex- I enjoyed the ride. I enjoyed kind of seeing where it was taking us. And I enjoyed kind of the comparison that it had and that they were trying to make for some other things. But really, the overall concept I kind of thought was kind of dumb. Uh, But what else you got? Todd, you got another negative? I do, but I think I'm going to have to save them for lightning round. Okay. 
Anybody else have any book? Because it's about that time. We're going to have to get into our lightning round. Any other nitpicks or positives or anything that they want to say about this movie? Okay. Okay. Well, hang on. So just so I will leave nothing but nitpicks for my lightning round. One thing that is not exactly a, a good or bad thing, just something that's weird. That is the weirdest escape sequence ever. They get away in a car whose engine is not running. <laughs> that is the weirdest oh. escape sequence ever. <laughs> they're having to you keep know, they're, they're trying to start the car and everything is, is kind of slow motion. And there are people that are, that are on foot that are just as fast as the car is. And he's like, I, I can't get the thing started. He's trying everything. And then they finally get it started and they finally get away. But for a while there, it's just a downhill <laughs> escape at, at, at human speed. It, it's weird. And they can't shoot at them because they don't want anything to happen to the you right. know, the pregnant lady. So it's like, oh, we're, we're having to chase them, but we can't really stop them, even though they're really not getting away very fast. Well, that's going to take us to our lightning round. We take each take 30 seconds to kind of sum up anything or say any other things that we want to about this movie. Um, I'll leave it up to you guys. You can continue to finalize your arguments on whether it's a Christmas movie or not, or if you just want to talk about positives or negatives for the movie. We've kind of had a, a episode that spanned a lot. So I'll leave it up to you what you say in the lightning round, which we usually do anyways. Um, but let's everyone get your dice ready and roll for initiative. Here comes a 20. Ooh, 19. Four. An eight. Six. Ha ha, I get to go second <laughs> with an eight. <laughs> so Todd, ah. you're going to start us off and then I'll go second. And then Dave, you said you had a six. Mm-hmm. So you'll go third and Andrew will finish us up with his four. Okay. Yeah, I don't have much. Just, just nitpicks. So here we go. Ready and go. A uh, ton of harsh language. Uh, the main character is unlikable and unsympathetic. At least in the beginning, he does get better later on. Several voices don't sound natural. They sound dubbed, whether they are or not. Julian's and Key's were especially bad. Uh, I think this might be a repeat of something I said earlier. Do we ever get a clear sense of what the human project is? Are they really the good guys in all this? And what if they're not? It could be that all of this was for nothing if for some reason uh, they're not the good guys after all. Uh, five seconds left. Uh, again, yes, they're definitely uh, nativity parallels. Like I said, just some time. Okay. Who's next? That will be me. Okay. Ready? I Ready? Okay. And go. Um, Christmas movie or no? Eh, I'll let you be the judge, but it is that time of the season where I would encourage everybody to focus on something more than a Christmas song or shopping or a happy-go-lucky tune and really delve into the Christmas story. A child came to, you know, a lost young lady who wasn't married and that child saved all of us. So where, however you get that story, get it and live by it. Sorry, I, I, I hated to interrupt a positive message, but that's okay. the clock is the clock. So. The clock is the clock. <laughs> and, and, you would, and you would pass it anyway. That's fine. I knew you would, but I, I, <laughs> I still got to do my job and say time. And Dave is up next. Ready? <laughs> I guess. And go. If Children of Men was an unfinished pizza. <laughs> oh. <laughs> or as Todd likes to call it, unfinished pizza. I call it a cheese pizza. 
then this is like a cheese pizza that would be like one of the greatest cheese pizzas ever known because it really, really tastes good. But it's still just a cheese pizza. They put that garlic in the crust. Mm. Sure. <laughs> Time. That's all I got. That's good. Yes. We, we're recording two things on one day, but the way we're going to release them, the, the movie before this is Home Alone, and it's in that review that the whole cheese pizza references will make Yeah, you'll, you'll, you'll hear it. <laughs> Andrew, you get to finish us out with the lightning round. What? I wasn't paying attention. Right. <laughs> you got, got 30 ready? seconds. Whatever you want to say about this movie. Sure. Okay. And go. Almost every shot contains an animal, typically a dog. I think that represents how um, people need to have some form of, like, you know, child figure in their life. And since there are no children, they resort to animals and pets. So that's kind of cool. Um, and almost every animal likes the main character. Um, that's about it. That's all I Oh, and also he never finishes a cigarette. If you didn't notice. Oh, really? I didn't he never that. finishes That's a cool. cigarette. It's always, you know, getting kidnapped and stuff. And I didn't notice the animal thing. So are you sure? Well, I'm not sure, but I mean, it's pretty, like almost every shot has an animal. And huh, interesting. I think that's because, you know. People resorted to animals when they couldn't have children. When they can't have children, they want to have that love so they go to pets yeah i did not think of it that way uh, to me i was thinking that because the world's gone to crap so much there were a lot of scenes where people were having to basically share spaces with animals that might be serving other purposes like for milk eggs what whatever that that's the way i took it but who knows maybe some of those animals were pets like you said so uh, that that's interesting i didn't think about that Cool. Well, let's. So we're going to do a two part rating. Ratings. And we kind of already know, but I want to, to solidify it on the record. So this will be a two part rating. First part of the rating will be Christmas movie, yes or no. So just a yes or no, thumbs up, thumbs down. And then the second part would be the rating for this movie in general. Andrew, as always, we're going to start off with you. So Christmas movie, yay or nay? I'm going to go with yay. Okay. As for rating, we've got good storytelling, compelling char- characters, beautiful cinematography. As I like the cinematography. <laughs> the cinematography. It tasted yeah. delicious. Yeah, you did it earlier. Did I do it again? Oh, my yes, God. Yes, you did. <laughs> I was almost tempted to say something, but I, I, I think Andrew was talking or no, you were, you kept talking. So I was like, I, OK, I won't interrupt you. I did that for you. <laughs> Overall, you're looking at a masterpiece. OK. And it wow. gets an A minus in my book. A minus. Wow. Well, I okay. think that's one of the highest ratings you've given a movie since we've been. Yeah, doing no these. So Princess Bride got an A plus. Back to the Future 2 got um, um, okay. an A plus. OK. Still rated pretty high from the teenager. I like it. So that comes to me. Christmas movie, yay or nay? 
I'm going to say yay, but I'm going to say you have to actually go in it looking for a Christmas movie. It's not one that you're going to watch and just be like, wow, look at this Christmas movie. Um, I think you actually have to put yourself into the mindset of, hey, I know this is the story that I'm looking for. And so when I look for it, I'm going to see it there. And so I think you have to kind of set yourself up for it. And then rating, um, this is a little tough because I, I actually kind of follow with Todd here in that um, it is slightly depressing. And so uh, while there are some some great cinematography <laughs> and some great acting and some other things that go on with this movie, I think it's going to end up being a, I think I'm going to be able to give it a 7.5, 7.5 out of 10. Okay. Todd, what you got? All right. For me, I'm sticking with my original decision that this is not a Christmas movie. Again, I will not deny that is it inspired by Christmas and has some stuff in it. it. It's got, you know, a few Christmas overtones. And even some of those articles I found online where people were defending that it was supposedly a Christmas movie, they still only listed three, four or five elements. Uh, and, and they were things that were all kind of related. And I agree with them. And yes, it has Christmas overtones. But just as Spock would say, overtones, overtones, overtones. Overtones are the beginning of a Christmas movie, Valeris, not the end of it. Uh, so I would say no. I give this movie a B minus. I think at one time I gave it either a B or B plus because I was so impressed by the long camera takes that we talked about. And I was so impressed by it that I, I was just like, oh, this movie did something mind blowing. Since then, other movies and TV shows have done it to the point where while it's still impressive and I'm sure it's still a pain to, to pull off those kind of shots. It doesn't make this movie so unique. So I was looking at this through a different lens. And I think the sheer depressingness of this movie, even though it's got a shred of hope, and I know that's technically what it's about, is still overall depressing. That kind of brings it down for me. I, I can I can appreciate it for being a well-made movie. It doesn't necessarily mean it's a likable movie. So that's why it kind of goes down to a B minus, but a B minus in my book is still good. All right, Dave, you're going to wrap us up. What do you think? Christmas or no? I'm going to have to say... Why, 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 why? That this movie is definitely not a Christmas film. (laughs) I have already explained myself. I think other people have made arguments that perhaps could be or could not be valid. I will leave that up to the jury. However, with that being said, I have to say that this is still an enjoyable film to watch. It's kind of like when you know, like, your neighbor is not really all there, but you still like to watch her out by the pool. What? (laughs) What? Wait, 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 wait. Back up? Did I stutter? (laughs) Was there a problem in my communication? Where do I start? That's basically what this film is. It distracts you with the glitter and and the shiny lights of Christmas, not Christmas, Christmas, not Christmas. You just realize that that's the crazy part. That's the crazy part that is inside everyone. But yet you still like to see it in a bikini by the pool, which is why it is still going to be. I would probably say at least a matinee movie that if you had the chance to p- 
purchase or perhaps go to the movie theater and watch this one afternoon, yeah, I would pay four or five dollars for it or whatever. Okay. I like it. Is your ba- is your battery running low? No. Why? Actually, it just sounded a few times. It sounded like you were slowing down. <laughs> you did stutter. Uh-huh. I did. I did you wake did up from a nap stutter. like a minute ago. I will say that. <laughs> um, all right. I just been sitting here enjoying my warmth. So again, for our listeners out there, we want to hear your opinions. We would love to know. You know, do you defend this as a Christmas movie? My last argument would be. If you just took the nativity story and read it, it doesn't become a Christmas story. It doesn't meet the categories of the Christmas story. It doesn't have the the happy la la la, let's sing a carol, and it wouldn't be, you know, a Christmas story. So if we take that as the judge of what a Christmas story is, then you know, take you know, it doesn't fit in the you know, F.A. Schwartz catalog or whatever, but it is the Christmas story. Okay, but I think it's safe to say that the nativity story itself gets an automatic pass. Actually being the original Christmas story means it doesn't have to meet any categories or criteria. But this movie is not a direct or literal retelling of the nativity, and no movie is the Bible. The Christmas story is that this child came and, and brought hope to the world. So that's all I got. And I would encourage all of you out there to let us know. We really, really want to hear on this one. I want to hear like lots of feedback on what you guys think and join us for some future episodes. We are going to spin the wheel of insanity. We are super excited about our last spin. So I'm curious as to see what the wheel will bring this time. Who wants to roll this time? Ooh, 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 let me, let me. Okay, I will roll. (laughs) A big old nine. Zero nine. Yeah, sorry, I'm having to get back to the spreadsheet. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Uh oh. This one's going to be controversial because because most people think this movie is crap, but we're gonna we're gonna defend it at least a little bit. It's not a it's not a stellar movie, but it has more redeeming qualities than I think most of the rest of the world uh, believe it has. Uh, You're close. Second Uh, guess. Battle of L.A. Battle Los Angeles, yes. <laughs> this is one of the greatest films ever made. People, do not listen to the BS. Battle Love this film. Yet, you never get the name of it right. I thought we already rolled for next week. No, to clarify for our listeners, we are recording uh, uh, Home Alone and and Children of Men in the same day, and we're rolling the uh, Wheel of Insanity on both those episodes. So in coming weeks, it'll be Spaceballs and then Battle Los Angeles. Or we might reverse the two, I don't know. But those are the two that are coming up sometime soon. So we got two coming. So we, we'll have two in the pipeline from here on out. Yeah. Who, who made this suggestion? Was this Dave's? No, I don't think it was me. I'm a, I'm a, I don't know. It's been a while. Yes. So. yes oh, okay. it was. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, then there you go. 
um, I thought it would be you. I, I was kind of like, this was be one that you would normally. Because I think you put Battleship down, didn't you? No. I oh. almost did, but it didn't quite make the cut. That's but another film that surprisingly has a lot of a lot of fun qualities to it that people were like, this movie sucks. And it's like, no, not really. So why don't you tell just a you know brief why you would why you think this has positive redeeming values that I will, I will do my best to sum up what I initially thought when we went and saw this we went and actually we went to the theater and saw this and, and when we left we actually had a good time with it I think if I remember correctly yeah. we were all we were all very happy with the movie we thought it was we thought it was done great we knew it was not going to be anything huge it was a shoot 'em you know it was a shoot 'em up we knew it was a shoot 'em up so per, perhaps our expectations of, of anything, you know, epic, like Undiscovered Country or Star Trek First Contact or, or Star Wars, you know, we, we, we didn't have any of that. We just were like, hey, it looks like it's going to be a good shooter movie. Let's go. Let's go watch it. Oh, uh, I, I do distinctly remember that we had a good time with it. And then we found out later that it was just getting trashed. Like people almost like every critic like hated it blah 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 which made us actually kind of go back and really look at it and think about what we had seen and uh, basically the the way i always said it was it's a pro-military movie um and that upset a lot of people but yet i think in that knee-jerk reaction of people being upset that that it was a pro-military movie that they really missed a lot of the things in the film that made it a good film because even though it was a shooter there was a lot of stuff that takes place there is a lot of character growth and um it's there's a there's it's rare you get a movie where there's a lot of actual critical thinking going on in order to make the people who look like they're losing eventually end up succeeding. And that was one of the reasons why I put well, this down. And I think when we talked about it before, and we won't, we'll talk about it more in detail, but it felt like the military in this acted like the military would act. It wasn't like, yeah, it didn't feel like people acting in an alien movie. These, they actually acted in ways that's like, hey, I know military people, and that's kind of how they train them to do. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah. Um, okay. So, I'm excited. We've got two good ones coming up. We encourage all of you out there to follow us on Podchaser or however you get your podcasts, Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts. Make sure you subscribe and, and comment and rate us so that we can move up the charts. And also follow us so that you get all of our episodes and you'll get our future episodes. And I'll just say that, you know, continue uh, to do and enjoy whatever makes you a discerning geek. And I'm going to let Linus take us out. What? What just happened? Lights, please. It's Charlie Brown. And there were in the same country shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. The glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not. For behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. Of Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in the manger. And 
suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. One thing that I don't know if anybody has ever noticed with that is halfway through his speech, Linus, who always has his security blanket, actually drops his blanket uh, because his security is in something bigger than his security blanket at that point. And I always thought that that was a cool thing that almost nobody ever notices in his speech. But all right, guys, it's been fun. Uh, Any parting words? I'm getting emotional, man. I love you guys. I love you. Merry Christmas. Love you too. I love yeah, you guys so much. Yeah, Merry Christmas, everybody. And for thank you for listeners listening. who have gone and noticed that we haven't had an episode in a couple of weeks, we apologize. It, it is the Christmas season. It's hard to get everybody together. And we'll have a couple episodes probably double up just to kind of get us caught up. But we apologize that it's been a little while since we've dropped an episode. And thank you for bearing with us. And God bless us, everyone. <laughs> it's my favorite one. If you'd like to listen to other Christmas-themed episodes, check out the reviews of Muppet Christmas Carol and Gremlins from December 2020, and the Scrooge-themed Dungeons & Dragons one-shot released in January and February 2021. Yeah, they were late on those. And, the geeks just recently reviewed the movies The Man Who Invented Christmas, and Klaus. Everyone at the Discerning Geeks Portal wishes you a very safe, and very, Merry Christmas, and a Happy New Year.